Good morning. Thank you, orchestra. I get to enjoy that last, uh, the offertory. And uh, Pastor Jason, where did, where's Pastor Jason? There he is. Thank you so much for being here in, in church. Thank you so much for coming and, and uh, blessing us with your presence today. And we are so excited about what God is doing through your congregation and the new opportunities that are in front of you. So bless you, and we look forward to, to continuing in relationship and ministry together as the Lord would lead us. So we are blessed that you're here. Thank you so much. Well, is anyone excited about the Olympics that are coming up? I, I just love that time of year when, when the Olympics come around every, every two years now. Some of us remember the days where you had to go four years without the Olympics, and then it was like an Olympic overdose. You got it in the, in the winter, and then by the time your adrenaline quit, quit flowing, it was time for the Summer Olympics. And so they've given us a little grace by uh, allowing us to share the Olympics every couple of years now. And, of course, we're getting ready for the Sochi Olympics And as you can tell by the theme that we're going to partake in as we look through the scriptures, we're going to begin talking about practice. Now, the Winter Olympics aren't quite as maybe as famed and and famous as uh, some of the other Olympics. So when I ask about a favorite Olympic moment, so many times uh, it comes back as a summer games event. And so as we get ready for this series, as we get ready for the Olympics here in a few weeks, Do you have a favorite Winter Olympic event or Winter Olympic venue that you remember back on and you remember fond things of? I know for uh, a young boy growing up in high school, uh, the 1980 Winter Olympics and the the hockey game of of USA winning the gold medal was was such an incredible highlight and an incredible excitement. Many of you know the the, I guess the cultural and this kind of the political situation of the day and, and how that, that hockey tournament just blew up into something that became a, about a whole lot more than hockey. I don't know if I'd ever seen a hockey game before then, but once, once they started winning, I know the, the whole nation's attention was focused on hockey. A few years after that, I believe it was 1988 Olympics, we were captivated by the story of a speed skater named Dan Jansen. Just a couple of hours before he was to go on and to, to race in his Olympic race, he got word that his older sister had died of leukemia. Obviously, he knew she was sick and at death's bed, but he got that news just right before he raced. The first race was that 500 meter, more of a sprint, and, and he fell. He was the favorite, and he fell, making that last turn. A couple of days later, he was again the favorite to win in his race. It was a longer distance race. And again, he was leading and he, had, he, he was setting a good time. And he fell. He was disqualified. The whole nation was on the end of its seat hoping that this young man would be able to win a gold medal for his sister. And you could hear the nation gasp when he fell. Four years later, I think at that point it was two years later. No, four years later at that time, 92 Olympics. Again, he did not win a gold medal. And then two years later in the 94 Olympics when they made that transition, the nation cheered as he finally won his gold medal. You see, there's so many wonderful moments that we experience and we think of when we think of the Olympics. But whenever I think of the Olympics, I can't help but think of the incredible dedication and practice 
that is needed and required to reach that level of competition. Now certainly there are, there are natural gifts and skills and abilities that one must possess. You know, my early life goal of being the center on the USA basketball team was not really a reality as I maxed out at five, nine and a half. But there are some that have those gifts and those skills. But it takes practice, it takes hours, and it takes weeks, and it takes years of practice to hone and to perfect and to, to equip yourselves to compete at that level. Research was done a few years ago that said to, to reach that elite level of competition, you have to commit to over 10,000 hours of training and of practice. You see, when I think of the Olympics, I think of practice and preparation. But what about you? What are you practicing these days? What are you in the process of perfecting in the life that you're living right now. You see, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to your spiritual life, are you practicing for Sochi? Or are you just kind of have a so what attitude? Uh, it's not that important. I'm saved. I, you know, I, I'm getting by. Or have you discovered the journey, the life of Christ that would cause you to press on to the goal? To press on to Sochi so that you can live your life in a way that brings glory to God. There's, there's a couple of, of mantras, maybe phrases that may help us to bring this out. The, the phrase I want to pick up on for the so what kind of life is this phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You see, when we embrace that as our mantra, what we're focusing on is sin. And usually those that focus on that mantra are those that are still engulfed and those that are still enjoying their sin. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, certainly that's true. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we are saved by grace through faith, not of our works so that no one would boast. We are people that are, are saved by grace. We are sinners that have been saved by the grace of God and the sacrifice of the Son. But at some point, we've got to move beyond this so what attitude of, well, I'm saved by grace, sinners saved by grace. Let me just enjoy my sin a little bit longer. Thank goodness for God's grace. It's, it's our insurance policy. It's, it's our safety net so that when we sin, we, we know we're going to be okay. What if we adopted another way of living and of life, of spiritual practice, that said we are a saint perfected by grace? You see, with this, with this idea in mind, I think we can have Sochi as the goal, so to speak. Where salvation is the purpose. Salvation is the focus of life. Our life in Christ is the pursuit of living. This word 
perfect is used several times throughout the New Testament. It's, it's a word that Paul embraces and, and talks about. It's, it's, the reality is, is we struggle with that word perfect. Well, none of us are perfect. But still, this idea in the New Testament is that we are in the process of being perfected. We are in the process of being made complete, of being made mature. You see, in Christ, in that moment of salvation, we are declared righteous. We are declared holy before God. And now the rest of life is about maturing and being completed and about being perfected in that life. It is a life of grace. But grace is not an excuse or permission to sin. Rather, grace is the inspiration to practice and to become what God is calling us to become. Ephesians 2 says that we're saved by grace through faith. Colossians 1 verse 6, Paul says it this way. Excuse me, chapter 2 verse 6. Paul says it this way. We're to walk in the same way in which we were saved. We're to walk by grace through faith. You see, grace is that which frees us and liberates us from slavery. Grace is not a license to sin. Paul says it this way in Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. He says, are we to continue in sin so that grace would increase? And he responds back very strongly. He says, may it never be. May it never be that we embrace a life of sin so that we can experience grace No, grace is that which enables us to be perfected in Christ Jesus. He goes on in verse 2. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? As we look at Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 through 14. Listen to how Paul deals with this idea, this concept. He says, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, as having laid hold of this perfection yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it's the grace of God that allows us to forget to forget our, our mess-ups, to forget when we fall, to forget the struggles that we have with sin. In, in this sense, that when we sin, we confess that, we bring that before God, and His grace brings that forgiveness. His grace brings that cleansing to our lives so that we no longer are under its power. But now we live in its freedom, the freedom of grace, It's this grace, it's this cleansing forgiveness that allows us to move forward. Too often churches are seen as the purveyors of guilt. Now yes, and certainly we we are guilty in our sin. But as we confess that, as we give that over to Christ, as we allow His payment for our sin to be manifest within our own lives, guilt then becomes something that that derails our process of growth and of life. 
guilt is that which hangs on to what lies behind. Guilt is what keeps us from pressing on toward the goal of Christ Jesus. Grace, however, is our inspiration to try again. Grace is that which God gives us to say, you know what? Yes, you you sinned, you failed again, but instead of letting guilt have its way in your life, confess that before me. Allow me to cleanse you again, and now let's get up and practice some more. Isn't that what we do in sports? Isn't that what we do in, in preparing to compete? Is we practice and we mess up and we, we, we don't do it right and we fall. But we practice and we practice. And we get up again. And we move forward. We forget what lies behind. Certainly we learn the lessons. But we don't allow that to have its power in our lives anymore. And we forget what lies behind. And we move ahead to the goal of Christ Jesus. Grace inspires practice. And grace allows us to experience that practice makes perfect. Practice is that which allows us to continue to grow and to be perfected in Christ. Matthew 5.48 Paul's not making this up on his own. He received it from the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount 5.48 says, Therefore, you, you who follow after me, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You see, where there is no practice, there is no perfection. There are no tens in the Olympics from those that don't commit themselves to the practice, the equipping, and the training. Likewise, We will never lay hold of the prize of the upward call without that practice, without pressing on, without moving forward. Paul tells his church in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Allow me to say it this way. Practice your salvation with fear and trembling. The weakness and failure of the church in America is that we have neglected to practice Christ. In seeking to avoid the legalistic dangers of the law, we have disregarded His instructions and the work of faith. You see, we are not saved by our works. That's Ephesians 2 that we began with. But once we are saved... We are to work out of our salvation and to mature our salvation. You see, we must work and we must practice. We must go deeper with Christ and not settle for the shallow convictions and moral indifference that characterizes our culture and many in our church today. In his book, The Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster writes this, and he wrote it, I think, about 30 years ago. And it may be more true today than it was back then. He writes, Superficiality is the curse of our age. The desperate need today is for deep people. The psalmist in 42.7 says this. He says, Deep calls to deep. 
Too many Christians are muddling and languishing in shallow, insignificant religion, wondering why their lives and their faith and their worship are empty and unfulfilling. Because of this, our community and the world around us look at us and they consider us to be irrelevant and inconsequential and out of touch with life in contemporary or in the contemporary world. But Paul comes along beside of us and he says, press on, press on to the high and the deep calling of Christ. For you see, the way of Christ is the narrow way. The way of Christ is the road less traveled. The way of Christ is the way of the cross. It is the way that must be practiced. Deep living requires spiritual practice. Let's stop and offer a a, a warning officially. Spiritual practice is not legalistic ritual. Law-bound disciplines and practices produce death. When the spiritual practices and disciplines degenerate into law, they become Tools of manipulation, oppression, and control. This is not what we are talking about. Rather, we are talking about spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines that place us before God. That place us before God in ways that we can hear, in ways that we can commune, in ways that the Spirit of God can do His work of transformation and perfection in our lives. The disciplines place us before God to listen, to consider, to meditate, to worship, to respond, to give. Spiritual practices lead to inner transformation. They lead to healing which is what so many of us and so many in our world desperately need and are seeking. Phariseeism is religious or external religion without inner transformation. This is not what we're going to be talking about over the next weeks. Certainly the warning is that that it can degenerate into that. But rather, we are looking to practices that place us before God. Certainly over these weeks, we're going to talk about mechanics and and other things that we can do outwardly. But again, it's not about the outward practices. It's about placing ourselves inwardly, spiritually before God. I suspect that we're all familiar with these practices at some level. But the emphasis over these next weeks will be practicing them more seriously. Some of the practices are meant to be done alone or, or, or in a small group with, with a couple. Others are meant to be shared in community. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about med- meditation, confession, simplicity, worship. If you're familiar with Foster's book, that will give some background. And I would encourage you to, to read and to re-familiarize yourself with that if it's been a while since you've looked at that. My prayer is that God will bless our journey during these weeks. He'll bless these practices as a way in which he will draw us closer to himself and to one another. As I close, 
I simply ask the question, what are you practicing today? What are you perfecting right now? Is it a sport? Is it a hobby? You know, it's kind of frightening to know that doctors practice medicine. (laughs) I hope they're finished practicing when I get there, right? (laughs) But isn't that beautiful? That's the point. A medical doctor, we want our medical doctors to practice and to practice and to practice. Because in practice, they mature and perfect their profession and their skills. The same thing for us spiritually. What are you practicing? Are you practicing deceit? Greed? Covetousness? Are you practicing infidelity? We're all practicing something. And our hope over these next weeks is that we will come together as a a community of faith, as, as individuals within that community, committed to practicing the things of God, to practicing love and faith and thankfulness and righteousness and generosity and worship. Turn with me to Philippians 4.9. Again, Philippians is a beautiful book that inspires us to practice. In your bulletin, there's a place for you to say, it says, practice these things. And this is where you get to make your own application for today. I'm going to read verses 4 through 9. And, and as the Spirit of God lays one of these practices on your heart, would you commit over these next days to begin to practice? To place yourself before God in a way that allows you to practice these disciplines. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Some of you need to practice that, okay? Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Isn't it interesting that that in many of our professions, in many of our our interactions with the world, we we have to put forward this gruff and and tough personality when, when the practice that Paul is inviting us to is to let your gentle spirit be known. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Maybe over these, these next days, you could practice prayer. You could practice prayer in a sense of thanksgiving, of, of asking the Lord for what, what He lays on your heart, but not being anxious in that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehensions, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good reputation, if there is any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And I I don't think Paul would, would be upset if we just said, practice these things. Dwell in your mind, but move it beyond your mind to, to where you practice these things. And now listen to how Paul concludes. He says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Isn't it interesting that Paul said, and the peace of God will be with you. He didn't say that, did he? He said, and the God of peace will be with you. The disciplines are about putting us before God in a way that deepens relationship with Him. And when that takes place, His peace, His love, His joy will be experienced in deeper ways. 
Let us commit ourselves to these things over these next weeks. And may they be incorporated into our life for a lifetime. Let's pray. Father, we are ready. We are ready to begin practicing. We are inspired by the life and the gift of Your Son, Jesus, who died for us. And now allow us to to practice. Allow us to become and to be perfected and matured and to be made complete in the gift of salvation that is already ours. May we never use sin as an excuse. May we never use grace as a license to sin. But may grace be that which spurs us on to practice and to be made perfect in Christ. This morning as the Spirit of God has stirred, I I don't know where God has laid on your heart to to focus more on Him, to to grow deeper with Him, to, to just make yourself available to Him. My prayer is that you would respond obediently and faithfully. If a part of that response means coming to share with with myself or a minister and to have us pray with you, you come during this time. If the Spirit of God is leading you in a way that you'd want to share what He's doing in your life, you come and we'll celebrate with you.